You're listening to the Fire in a Hole podcast with Richard and Jason, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and a cast. If you want to keep the show free and help us keep the lights on, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. If you have ideas for the show, we'd like to come on the show, uh, don't hesitate to drop us a line at Podcast at gmail.com. That's Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Hey guys, we've got a great show for you today. We've got uh, Kirsten Weisenberger, a good friend and former colleague of mine. Uh, she works on the web, like me. Uh, she helps connect brands with uh, with their customers and their audience. She does web strategy, she writes content, uh, she runs ad campaigns. So we talk to her about about that, and in typical Fire on the Hole style, we go off on a myriad of other topics, including uh, psychedelics, uh, her multiple trips to Burning Man, uh, the recent presidential debate, uh, the scary proposition of Trump having access to nuclear weapons, uh, and so much more. So without further ado, we give you the lovely, the brilliant, the talented Kirsten Weisenberger. They found a Nazi time capsule in Poland. Did you guys read this? Yeah. So, uh, you know, a time capsule, you remember this shit, right? Like, the, you know, in the high school or whatever, in elementary, they make you bury all this these drawings and these poems, like someone was gonna give a shit in a century from now. <laughs> so like, everyone's freaking out about it. Like, oh, the Nazis time capsule, oh, it's so interesting. Oh, these guys were looking for a film that was gonna be inside, but it was not there. Oh, there were two copies of Mein Kampf in there. That's so interesting. The whole time I'm just watching this and I'm like, were the Nazis worried that we wouldn't remember them? <laughs> was that an actual fucking concern? In Poland, no less, right? They took Poland off the geographical map. They were worried. They're like, Dita, Dita, you know, I just don't feel good. I feel like maybe they're going to forget us. Maybe we should leave a little something. Maybe put two copies of my confidence. Just so they know what we're about. Quite a week for for me. Yeah, this was a big one for you. Well, now like kind of the rest of the week has been has been relaxed. I kind of feel like doing nothing after Monday. Uh huh. So just to put it in context, um, uh, Richards is for years he's been trying to convince me to do stand up comedy, and uh, I finally took the plunge and I went up Monday. No way, that's great. I think I saw some photos. Yeah, yeah. you'd taken. Yeah. Yeah, it it actually turned into a much bigger thing than I thought than I wanted it to, but. It's kind of my fault because I got carried away and I invited a bunch of people. But luckily, I think it went well. I don't know. What do you, what, what was your assessment, Richard? It was great, man. <clears throat> I it think was it amazing. Was. Best night of my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's the funny part. It was a dream come true for me. Everyone's congratulating me about you know and how ballsy it was and all that and not realizing that this was really Richard's night because this is the fruition of his his plan of getting me to go up his for evil years plan. Yeah. that's right i've worked really hard at this what which, was your best joke Ooh, i wouldn't know which one was the best one which one did they hit uh, you the best the 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 nazi one was pretty good you like that one i like like that one i think i laughed the hardest though at the uh at the one where you're playing with the with your your kid in the playground right okay so that one's a bit long but the 
I mean, we put up the video because Richard uh, recorded it. It's like a seven-minute set, so it's not a big deal. Um, and the joke was really simple. It actually was just an observation, and then someone else made me realize it was a joke. So the joke is <laughs> the Nazis found a, a, a time capsule in Poland, and uh, all these like historians there are freaking out. It's a big deal, and what's inside, and whatever. And my joke was that the whole time, all I kept wondering is why the Nazis would have time capsules, why, why they would be worried about being forgotten, right? <laughs> like, how, they ima- how did they imagine that... Well, we, they made tons of architecture just to make sure. Right. But, <laughs> like, even then... would make beautiful ruins, right? I mean, right. Even if the Allies had crushed to dust every single thing they'd done, like, we would remember them, you know? <laughs> so that was kind of the opener, and then I kind of went from there. But it just... It was just an interesting experience is what it was. I don't know. Have you done any public speaking? None. Not really. Not a lot. No. Yeah, it's... Uh, you, I, you think you get used to it. I've done it for, I've done it in one way or another for many years. But the comedy is a whole other bag. It's like you're you're not you're kind of expected to start going the second you're on stage, right? And then you mm-hmm. have this five six minutes, and you got to make it count. So I was really stressed right up until the moment I stepped up, and then I took the mic and like something happened. I was just like, I'm fine. Yeah, you found your rhythm like. Uh a couple of minutes in, for sure. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I wasn't right away. I was like stalking the stage a little bit, not making eye contact, but right. I felt like the the cadence was there. I don't know. I, I'm yeah, just it surprised good. that it went off. Yeah, you seemed like you seemed to loosen up. Yeah, you know, especially when you're doing your kind of, uh, you know, you're you're miming your actions and stuff and hitting yourself with the mic and <laughs> all this. Well, like, I remember was, you telling me that not to forget that. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Richard's kind of, you know, I've I've workshopped a bunch of the jokes with him and. He's like, this is what I think is funny that you do and whatever. So it was interesting. Yeah, it was good. Everyone, everyone was cracking up in the in the place. Seemed like it. And even people who watched the video, they've been. They've been I gotten a lot of good feedback. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of it. Yeah. But what was interesting was, um, kind of how how I just lost track of everything the second I was up. Like I remember the material. I think I had the timing down. But in terms of what time it was, you could have like committed a multiple homicide in the crowd while I was doing it. I would not have seen it. Mm. You're in like a special space time continuum. Yeah. I've heard that it never gets tired when you're a stand up comedian, that there's always that anxiety and there's always that rush. It's always kind of a high and kind of like an altered state when you get up there. I have to say that just of this very limited experience that I've had, yeah. And you want more. (laughs) I bet. You want more? Like I could have, I could have gone if I had more material uh, prepared. I, I feel like I could have gone for another ten minutes, easy. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, you already did seven. Yeah. You're supposed to go. You're supposed to do five, and I think the, they kind of had to play me off, but it was cool. Yeah, <laughs> the music I, came on because he was he didn't see the the light. Oh no! But yeah, you're not the only like one. Red light. It was like two other people who also didn't see the light. I think it's just a badly positioned light. I think so. Yeah. Blame the light. Go right ahead. It's the light. Yeah. Fix the Bad light. Comedy works. No, but uh, I got a I got a big shout out to uh, Walter who runs the open mic at the comedy uh, comedy works. Uh, he was really cool. He answered me right away and uh, let me go up without really asking me anything. That's awesome. So well, risky, thought, but awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, that's kind of the environment, right? right? Yeah, comedy is risky, and especially if you just have an open stage night, it that's what it's all about, right? Right, right. Yeah, and we went. We've gone to a couple. And I gotta say, this was a very, very good night. Yeah, it was a strong night. There, 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 were, there, were, there weren't a lot of duds. 
I don't I recall like maybe one act that wasn't didn't get the response but mm-hmm. other than that like they were everyone was banging like on their they were on their shit that night and the ladies the ladies as usual killing it yeah they're on point the ladies um i forget the name of that that comedian uh she, the girl with the glasses oh yeah yeah i don't remember her name either her i just poise like very good she just has the like the walk and the talk and the positioning where if they told me she was featured this weekend on a special show i wouldn't question it some mm-hmm. of the other comedians i'd be like oh they kind of look rough around the edges but right. her she's kind of like she's got it down yeah her delivery her delivery was really strong and i noticed that she, her her body positioning was very different yes. like she was leaning into the crowd like she was bent over like really intense like looking at, at people you know that was kind of her approach. almost almost the reverse of what i was doing <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. you you avoided eye contact a little bit but then with the punchlines hit that you you made the eye contact yeah you know i, I feel like your nazi your nazi uh, impersonation is pretty <laughs> oh, yeah. is, is always a good i line. did that on the fly a little bit because i oh, I, yeah. I thought okay you land the joke about the time capsule and then do you go on about it you know sometimes to reiterate can kind of add a little more laughs as it hits home for some people and then i was like should i do the accent should i do the two german guys discussing creating a time capsule you know and i wasn't sure because you can, the accent you nail it when you're joking around with your friends but when you're mm-hmm. on your own you're like uh, what if it sounds like off or whatever you can't fuck it's, it's with, risky you can't fuck with accents when you're on the stage I've, right. I've, like i've heard many comedians say this if you're gonna do jamaican if you're gonna do whatever it better it, be good. It's got to be on point. Right. Yeah. Because the crowd will turn on you mm. immediately. It's a, it's a very interesting... Uh... Anyways, I, I th- thank you. I thought Richard. it was great, man. Congratulations on... Sure. Thank you. I appreciate uh, the confidence that you had in me. Yeah, it was good. So you're going you're gonna to go back up? Is that the plan? Yeah, I, I wrote them again. I told them I'd like to go up on my birthday, which is uh, going to be on a Monday. So Sweet. We'll, see. we'll see if they get back to me and... Then I'll start stretching again about. <laughs> well, if you up. got in there once, you'll get in there again. I mean, you did a good yeah. a good show, and you know, of course, they'll have you back. Yeah, maybe. It's time to build your reputation. Yes, we've also had a bunch of comedians on on the podcast, and uh, John Sam Goodard. Shout out to John; he's been on a couple times, and coincidentally, he happened to be hosting that night, so it was oh, right a fortuitous. On. Yeah, that worked uh, out. We love John. John is great. So John actually welcomed him up, which was I thought was pretty cool. It was kind of like uh, you know destiny or whatever. Yeah, and he was like he was uh, picking on my mom in the crowd. Oh, that <laughs> without, was without mom. knowing that it was my mom. Yeah. So at the end of the at the end, I was like, "Hey, John, have you met my mom?" <laughs> oh no! <laughs> he was very nice with her. He wasn't he wasn't rude or anything, but. Yeah, she's got like kind of blonde hair in the spot. She happened to be like kind of close to the front with the spotlight over her. So it's like a beacon. So, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, like if I'm a comedian and I do, I'm doing crowd work. Like I'm going over to K and I'm starting to yeah, work on yeah. her right away. <laughs> but she was such a good sport. She's great. Yeah, and uh, just having her there was like even more sort of because she's a. I, I love her. Like I really do. And to have her there, I was just like, oh wow, okay, she came out. I mean, she she came from far, you know. Yeah, I think there was like 15 people, former guests of the podcast, yeah. future guests of the podcast. Future guests, yeah. There's like more people who've been on the podcast than not. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, you know, it was interesting too, the, the the back of the bar where all the comedians are hanging out. Yeah. That was an interesting thing. I never paid attention to that before. Mm. The way they kind of sit there, some of them are taking notes, some of them are going over their notes, some are obsessively like drinking water 
or pounding down shots or right everyone's got their little ceremony mm. of how they get ready to go up and do their set and stuff yeah did it feel did it feel different being like the more like the talent yeah well well uh yeah like hanging out in the back like the, it's basically the green room for the comedians sort right? of exactly yeah. <laughs> it was weird it was weird because i didn't know how to feel i didn't know if if newbies are kind of annoying to established guys mm. or if they're happy to see someone come and try their or if they're kind of going okay well he's probably gonna bomb it's his first time up there right so but also not bombing kind of sets like a a bar now Right. Like I can't go back in there and stink up the place next time. I don't think you can give it too much thought, though. Maybe. Yeah. I can. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, clearly you, you can. But some you of, the, some of the, like, the most seasoned comedians were the ones who bombed the most because they're up there trying to test out riskier material right. that they don't know if it's going to land or not. Like that last guy was horrible. He, the Filipino his guy? stuff, I feel, I, I don't know. Have you, do you go to comedy shows? I've been to a few. Yeah. I watch comedy sometimes, you know, on Netflix or whatever. Yeah. I love stand-up, but I'm not like a regular stand-up, okay. live stand-up Head person. or whatever. Yeah. But are you, are, isn't it fascinating, like, as a craft and, like, watching it? And, yeah. Um, you, you said you had a background in journalism, right? Yeah. So seeing, trying to see what the structure is there and then recognizing when a comedian is building towards something and when he does an interesting sort of structural thing whereas another one seems like he's all over the place yeah but there is an under like it's just so fascinating as a as an art form there's a rhythm to it yeah Yeah. and the masters can break the rhythm or sometimes there's just really quirky ones like someone like Stephen Wright has a completely different rhythm from your standard stand-up comedian Mm -hmm. you know they they can play with it sometimes just because they're weird and sometimes because they're masters but yeah there's definitely a pattern that most of them do and bombing is a lot of a lot about breaking the rhythm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think some would, some would say that you're not really a comedian until you bomb as well. Right? So I've heard many guys say that. Like you have to go through that. that oh, you yeah. You write a passage. You, know? you can't expect every single show to, to bring them in. I mean, how else do you grow, right? Otherwise, you're just right. all shiny and new all the all time. All the time, and yeah. You can't maintain that. Hmm. Why do you think they're so twisted and dark? They've had their souls broken so many times in so many ways. <laughs> that's the part that spooked me is that, you know, I'm yeah. a little bit of a curmudgeon uh, and a little bit of a, you know, cynical guy sometimes. But I got a vibe off of uh, a couple of comedians, not like Monday, but on other nights where I've been there as a spectator. And I got the feeling I'm like, whoa, this is I don't know if it's just it attracts a lot of kind of people with a lot of pain and a lot of weird things that have happened to them and i guess it makes sense that this would be like a therapy that if they can go out there and craft it into a story and have everyone kind of turn it into positive laughter that it can like be healing right but i just i caught myself with the thought of like i don't think i'm messed up enough to be a (laughs) to be a successful community not yet oh you are (laughs) okay oh trust me oh i don't think that's a concern Sure. <laughs> I mean, comedy is a response to pain in many cases and a healthy response. And especially in our day and age, a lot of the comedy that's out there is really dark and really twisted. And there's a reason for that. And there's a reason why we need to laugh at Desperately. things that are sad, painful, weird, and disturbing. Hmm. You know, we don't want to hear a comedian tell jokes that are comfortable. At least right. I don't. Right. We're not anymore. Is it even a joke if it's comfortable? 
I think there was a time where that that sort of Don Rickles, yeah, yeah, <laughs> kind of era where he. Uh, then again, we could be wrong. It could have been maybe very edgy in its time. Yeah, mm. like the "Take My Wife, Please" mm-hmm. type of routines, right? Maybe that was kind of edgy, you know, coming out of the fifties. Yeah, day, yeah. Uh, because you didn't you didn't make fun of the family unit, or you didn't. You know, maybe these things were sacred, and now to us it seems like it's mayonnaise, but. Um, maybe maybe it was edgy. Maybe uh, Honeymooners was like a super edgy show. I don't know. Like, ah, if I got to hear it one more time, like that kind of... <laughs> yeah, you know, that, exactly. I don't know who knows if that was edgy or not. I don't know. But I guess... To I don't the moon know. or what was it? To the moon or... This is way before our time. Yeah. <laughs> like threatening spells all abuse. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. comedy, <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's the other thing, right? <clears throat> is if you go back far enough, it becomes dark comedy everything <laughs> mainstream becomes dark comedy right the all of the slapping of of the women in movies you know by like the strong male dudes right like no we we, we can't we must right. and then <laughs> yeah flip her into the hay out of it like calm snap. down the kind of like the hysterical that was the that was the approach if somebody was hysterical you slap them in the face yeah yeah, the femme fatale good, kind of thing. Good, good, good times. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> what a weird, what a weird time. Seriously, yeah. that's that's the crazy thing is we kind of uh, fictionalize all this stuff, but like when you think about the fact that this was everyday life, just you know puffing like eight hundred cigarettes a day. <laughs> you always had a suit smack on. in the face and a cigarette, and you'll be fine. Yeah, and, and a Valium. <laughs> oh, and yeah. a Valium. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was heard about this today about uh, Percocet. Is it Percocet? Um, Adderall, the pain pills, basically any iteration of pain pills. Apparently, there are now more people on pain pills than there are people consuming tobacco. Oh, I believe it. Wow. Particularly in the in the U.S., I would I would imagine North America, U.S. Yeah, I I figure they're probably close to that. That's uh, that's intense, man. That's a lot of pills. Yeah. Now we're counting every kind of consumption of tobacco now, right? Everything right. from like tobacco the- chewing, which I never understood. Mm-hmm. Have you ever known anyone that? Chewed yeah, tobacco? my grandfather yeah. chewed tobacco. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and he, when I was really young, it was well accepted, and he would just chew it. And he was a farmer, so he'd go oh, out okay. and wander about the farm and chew tobacco. But as he got older, it became a disapproved behavior. And after dinner, he would quietly go into the corner or go into his workshop, <laughs> go to his chair and chew tobacco, you know, uh, where yeah. no one kind of like would be disturbed by it. Did he have yeah. like a spittoon? Is that what they were called? Those he must have. I was a kid. I can't really right. remember. But yeah, he must have had something. That makes sense. I mean, that generation, farming, all that stuff. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think they all did. But I mean, in like modern day, they're still chewing tobacco on the market. That means oh, someone's yeah. someone's chewing this. Somebody's I knew someone who did yeah. snuff. Ooh. Yeah, and he'd put it on his hand and he'd, he'd snort it. What's and, the deal with uh, snuff? What is it actually? What is it? Is just tobacco? It's tobacco uh, powder, I think, and you okay. you snort it, and you get a hit of nicotine. Oh, yeah, I always thought snuff was like cocaine. No, no, it's a tobacco product. No. Is that the stuff that they like? They pinch and like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like, oh, okay. oh no, it's legal. It's just weird. It's you weird. had a snuff box, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very Victorian, right? Very Victorian. Uh, like uh, like heroin, I think, is also very. That's Victorian, where it kind of yeah. caught on with. Uh, what must have been huge needles at the time, right? They didn't have like the technology to make those like little needles that we use today. So it must have been horrific <laughs> to do heroin in like 1800s. But in any case, like, yeah, snuff is weird. But I'm just saying like somebody still is chewing tobacco somewhere. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. In I'm our sure. age range. Verdun is full of old dudes chewing tobacco. Yeah. yeah. In their living room or there's, their backyard. There's probably hundreds of them within a very small radius around this apartment. Right. <laughs> and then there's wait, just chewing away. There's people that like they do that thing where they just <laughs> they shove it into the like corner of their mouth. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of goes in your in the yeah and you mm, I don't know. The jowls. It goes between your yeah your gum and your cheek and you just keep it there. But I've seen people like you don't actually chew chewing tobacco. Right. right? You just stuff your cheek, and then it, it absorbs through your gums and. Why? And your cheek? Why? And then, but it, but it's it's really strong tasting. It's got to be so sour tasting. Ew. I think they add like flavor to it. Okay. And you have like vanilla flavor or whatever. I don't know what flavors they are, but there's definitely yeah, flavors. Yeah, at this point, they must be like, uh, you know, and Western it makes you ranch. Salivate. It just makes you salivate and salivate and salivate. That's why you got to Spit. keep spitting. Or sw- uh, you don't want to swallow it because your saliva is like full of nicotine at if that you point. chew tobacco and you and have poison a, and you have a girlfriend <laughs> or boyfriend like you're a charismatic individual yeah. <laughs> you're charismatic you have you must be doing something incredible to to make that person stay with you right seriously or you just never kiss them ever right? maybe that right. kissing is just off the list you know it's one of those like yeah because that's just there's just no way to clean up after that you just it's like you're permanently like a ashtray yeah. yeah maybe maybe you get to like it you know maybe it's kind of for some people it's just what they enjoy is like, someone who tastes like your honey tobacco. i got you the peppermint yeah <laughs> there's all kinds of fetishes out there it's peppermint night <laughs> yeah. but it just honey, makes you peppermint it makes you realize <laughs> it makes you realize how i think in one way or another we've gotten high as a species like since the beginning like since we crawled out of the muck i think Oh yeah. yeah, lately they've they've been finding out how animals get high, right? right. Like yeah. bears, foxes, okay. all kinds of like North American animals eat mushrooms and get high. But like willingly. Deliberately. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't I meant uh, deliberately not willingly. Well, we don't really know, no, but the no. animal will walk over to mushrooms and eat them and get high. Right. Or you know? fruit that's uh fermented. fermented. Well, why wouldn't yeah. you? Like naturally fermented. Why wouldn't you? I mean, if you had an animal level intelligence, that is, from what we understand, primarily instinctual and not really, like, rational. You're not, like, calculating, you know, like, in a greater sense. Like, you eat that thing and it's happy time, like, obviously. Yeah, you already uh, have maybe no sense of time or a different sense of time, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's fun. I mean, at this point, th- this could also explain, like, bear attacks. They're just strung out like they couldn't find anymore. <laughs> they hit up all the shrooms. Yeah. And they're just really, like, hurting for a, for a hit. And then it's like, that's why they walk into, they're hoping the humans maybe. <laughs> maybe. May, they follow the trail of shrooms. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, it makes sense that you would use any kind of substance like that to make you feel a certain way. It kind of gives you that power to, but feel, why? Like, if you had to flick a switch and you could feel any way, like, it gives you like a kind of a power over that. Right. I mean, before drugs were ever recreational and it be, or was a vice or it was a whatever or medicinal I guess medicinal is where it would have we would have started figuring out like, hey, the stuff to make your fever go away is also like an amazing high. It's pretty fun. <laughs> Here, let me crush you some of these leaves. Check mm-hmm. this out. But I don't have a fever. No, no. Bear with me. <laughs> Check this out. Woo! Like maybe that's how they whatever. But like if not even before that, uh, the Maasai tribe in Africa, they, um, you know, the really tall warriors mm-hmm. when the red and the, they do that jumping up and down. Mm-hmm. That's apparently to get high. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure it's it's creates an altered 
state the same way that like kundalini yoga would do the same okay what's that apparently just doing like holding yoga poses for really long periods of time like like that can also create like a psychedelic state Mm -hmm. really yeah for real yeah some people like put it on the same as like uh doing ayahuasca or something like this you know yeah i've been hearing a lot about that stuff yeah yeah not being a experimenter of drugs myself like uh, it's fascinating to me just how like i certainly am more accepting of people that experiment now than you know because i was brought up with the like no 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 drugs and this and Mm. you kind of just paint everything with the same brush like drugs degenerate right right, was the message nancy reagan war on drugs yeah generation right yeah same same here and now we are having like clinics open up with uh, like marijuana clinics, mm-hmm. medicinal, I think. I think they're going to be med- medicinal here when they open up next year, right? They have some already. There's been on, one uh. on Saint Laurent for quite some time. And I've been to dispensaries um, in oh, BC yeah? and Ooh. it's really, really neat actually. Tell us about it. Um, you fill in a form when you come in and in, in BC at the moment, you're supposed to have a doctor's letter. Well, last time, actually, they didn't even mention it. The first time I went, they said, okay, fill in the form, um, give us some ID, um, sign some stuff saying you're not going to do this or you're not going to, like, resell it or whatever. And then they said, okay, you need a doctor's note within 30 days. You can shop now, but in 30 days, you have to come back with a note if you want to keep shopping. But the last time I went, that didn't even happen. They just, I filled in the form. I said, no, it's just for me. I'm not going to resell it. And that was it. Mm. There must be a cap on, on, on the quantity, obviously. No, really? there isn't, but it's expensive. Okay. Yeah, it's so, expensive. yeah. So you, you can only afford, at least I can only afford so much, okay. you know. Um, I don't smoke it, but I do like some of the um, medicinal substances, um, like a topical cream that you can put on. I mean, I use a keyboard, like, for stupid numbers of hours every day. So I have, like, a topical cream I can put on my hands that gets rid of inflammation and pain that's made with THC. It's amazing. Interesting. It's awesome. Really? Yeah. So some of the stuff they have is extremely useful, and it really is for medicinal purposes. So as an anti-inflammatory, the one that you're talking yeah, about Yeah, pain reliever, anti-inflammatory. Yeah. yeah. Um, they have other things that you that you can eat. Um, some of them have THC. Some of them don't. Some of them have the THC removed so that you don't get high off of it. You just have this sort of pain-relieving, relaxation sort of side to it. It's pretty cool. If you have the chance, I think they have them in Toronto now. I may be wrong there, okay. but you, they're spreading. Um, it's only a matter of time before it comes to Montreal. And they're all using legal loopholes in Canada. So at the moment, it's not clear how long it will last. Um, and where they're actually going to be spreading to, but um, it's a neat experience. Mm. And you usually have a consultant, someone in there who can really help you and say, well, this is good for this and this is good for that. My well, anti inflammatory, that sounds nice. It's great. When, when your yeah. back acts up or whatever. Exactly. You yeah. Have an old yeah, the marijuana something. plant itself is like miraculous on all the things that it can do, you know, even, even aside from all the, the drugs, like from the, the, the hemp plant. Mm-hmm. Right, like that as a as a material you can do everything with that yeah you can, you can make it there's into milk you can there's hemp milk mm-hmm. right yeah, yeah yeah and there's like supplements there's uh you can you can eat it it's, it's super nutritious for you uh you can make cars out of it you can make like parachutes out of it you can make paper out of it yeah. you can make like bags out of it you know, like you can do all this all this stuff with it and the only reason why it's not being used right now is because 
it was made illegal and pot consequently made illegal as well like the psychoactive part of it uh what was the guy's name is it william randolph randolph hearst the paper tycoon yeah it sounds like him yeah, anyways like so paper tycoon realized oh there's this other competing product that is way better than than using trees to make it to make a, paper okay so it was a paper it was so a paper he lobbied war. to get it mm-hmm. to get it made illegal and you oh, can yeah. you can regrow you can you can like hemp grows amazingly fast like you can produce way more paper with oh, hemp yeah. absolutely and it yeah. restores itself and it's it's so much more economical right and you're not defore like uh, deforesting or it's 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 amazing and even the fact that like we have cannabinoid receptors that are specifically for for cannabis this is like a fact THC. this is a science, scientific fact yeah like we're we're built to ingest ingest the substance okay like it, it developed in parallel with us like there are receptors i i, I could be wrong but i'm pretty sure this, this is the case there are receptors that are uniquely there for that purpose huh. and don't work with anything else right so we have the lock and that's the that's why, the key why this plant though isn't that interesting like what what is this romance with with this plant and right. human beings yeah well, then again i'm guessing if we looked into it a little deeper we'd find out that there's a bunch of mushrooms and a bunch of like flax seed and what's the other one like um there's a bunch of the stuff that's like immediately beneficial right um, a lot of it evolved in tandem with us chia and exactly and there's also theories that in some cases the plants have told us how to make them how to consume them and why they're good for us people who go into altered states shaman or um people who for whatever reason have been you know communing with the jungle or with with nature are told by the plants how to consume them (laughs) I mean, yeah. you think about yeah, some yeah. of these plants, and they're incredibly complex. Right. How did you figure this out? Was this trial and error? Oh, I'm going to boil it, and then I'm going to dry it out, and then I'm going to crush it, and then I'm going to mix it with this other plant, and it doesn't work unless we mix these two plants together. So there's hmm. all kinds of theories that the shaman or people who are living close to nature have been told by nature what to do with well, there's these There's also things. no right. TV, so I figure experimentation was kind of a pastime. Hmm. You know, trying different things. But let's if you, if you let's think give the this to the <coughs> kid. <laughs> See what happens. Yeah. You know, like feed him this. Now we'll boil it. Now we'll, well dry it. We lost another shaman Mix today. it with that. Oh, oh yeah. whoops. Yeah. Give him the mask. In the it's case up, of yeah. ayahuasca, I, I know that's that's definitely the, the story that you hear is that because it's statistically very improbable that they would figure this out. Right? Exactly. Because the, there are multiple plants that you have to put together in order to make it consumable by the body and right. it either doesn't get absorbed properly or it makes you sick or whatever yeah and, and just think of the biodiversity that you have in like the rainforest in right. a square foot <laughs> yeah yeah you know to figure out that this one plant along with this other thing works because it's, it's dmt but we have a natural dmt blocker right actually you find dmt in a lot of stuff like i think there's dmt and like broccoli or something but we don't get high off of it because we have dmt blockers as part of our digestive system so you need to take the ayahuasca in so the ayahuasca is part ayahuasca and then also the uh, dmt blocker inhibitor right so it stops us from being if oh, our, our natural like blocking throw up and stuff uh i'm not sure if that's the reason why they throw up but 
yeah the unblocker makes it bioavailable right right so you can absorb different parts of the plant that you wouldn't otherwise precisely Ah, so you have to turn off the alarm system yeah the other thing can get in okay yeah Yeah, you got to disable the security system so yeah it's 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 more complex than just like grabbing a plant and chewing on it and seeing if you got high you know yeah it's a real like shaman shamanistic experience I, I would I would go on a ayahuasca. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious, but at the same time, uh, I've never liked being out of control. I think that's why I've never really been drawn to drugs in any form because I don't I don't like the this idea of being like not knowing where I am. Yeah, and well, th- that's why that's why you need to give it the respect and do it under the like the the part of the, as part of the ritual and the shaman kind of guides you through the to whole guide thing you through it and stuff. Have you experienced any of this stuff? Have you ever gone on like vision quests and Oh, in really small ways, really mm. minor ways. Nothing that's been life changing. But I wouldn't do ayahuasca. Yeah. That scares the shit out of me. Oh, so yeah. Honestly, I've seen videos, I've heard stories of people having that experience and it's not so much the nausea that freaks me out, but the trip itself it just sounds really, really scary. You're, you're I don't ready to see God. I'll read about someone's ayahuasca trip. You know, I don't want to go there. Hmm. I really don't. Yeah, I'm sure it changes your life. Yeah, but uh, yeah, maybe. But it's almost like there's there are types of people that are more comfortable in the rational place, and there are more people who are like, well, rational is fine, but if they get a chance to like pierce the veil, like they'll jump on it. You know, I definitely I think I'm the first type of person. I like to stay close to the rational. But yet I don't think that I'm, in my mind, I explore, you know, like mm. I'm a creative type person. I write, I think imagination constantly. You'd think that I'd want to jump on something like this immediately and mm. see where it could take my imagination. But I'm, my instincts are like, no, <laughs> this I sounds see, way I see too it as crazy. A, like, it's just a different category, you know, it's not like you take a drink of beer or smoke a joint and get a little buzz. Like this is kind of like... Yeah, piercing the veil. Enter the seeing, fifth dimension. Seeing God and being being judged worthy or not. <laughs> oh yeah, sort of thing. And coming back oh, with yeah. like meeting Osiris. messages and <laughs> yeah, you can like, discover your DNA. You right. can d- you can talk to the animals and the plants and right. it talk to your DNA. <laughs> I'm not. I mean, it's an intriguing experience, but I would rather talk to someone who's had the experience and learn from them and hear their story. Mm. I don't need to go there. Yeah, right. but, but you would go there. I would go there. Yeah? Yeah, as an experiment for sure. Just after hearing so many accounts of, uh, of people's experiences and that the feeling that they, they get to this, this otherworldly place, this other dimension, and they come back with such similar stories of what that experience was like, but it's also very personal. Yeah. Um, I don't know, that, that, sounds, that sounds kind of interesting. And then this feeling that you've, that you've been there before mm. like they get there and it's like oh i've, I've been here that, that's like a reoccurring theme yeah like almost like i'm back home hey. sort, of, sort of a feeling you know yeah, it can be so. deeply reassuring apparently too where you come back and you know your place in the universe and you've spoken with your ancestors and you know you don't worry about all kinds of things anymore mm. it sounds kind of interesting yeah, but who knows you know maybe it's just something that happens in your brain or maybe it actually allows you to phone yeah, up god <laughs> or just yeah switch your consciousness to a different plane if that if that would be possible and 
and relatively accessible, I, I wouldn't see why I wouldn't do it. It is possible and relatively accessible. Yeah, right? You don't have to go to Peru. I'm sure you, you, don't. you can have a better experience if you go to Peru and you're in the jungle and you can talk to the jungle and you have right. the right environment, but people do it here in church basements and stuff. Oh, yeah. for sure. And there, there are shamans here that, that do it as well. Hello, jungle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, uh, I think it was on Rogan that I heard someone talk about um, the ayahuasca DMT and how the, some of the plants that contain DMT are uh, native to like places like Nazareth and like you know the Middle East, wow. the mountainous regions. And uh, apparently, someone had figured out that where Moses would have lived. Apparently, that area would have been like that's like a, a very well known source of right. that actual plant, and that, that would it it casts the burning bush story in a very different light. You know, if yeah. if that pilgrimage means he went to do some 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 uh, vision questing up there, you know, suddenly it explains you know a burning bush talking to you. That's apparently according to people who've done ayahuasca like and DMT, and they're like, yeah, that's. It sounds like the kind of shit you, you'd encounter, you know? Well, they or, say, yeah, the basis of pretty well every religion is some kind of transcendent encounter. Right. Whether you use chemicals or you starve yourself or you do some other kind of thing yeah. to get there. Well, I want to do what, like, the ancient Egyptians did. I want to find out what they were on. Hmm. Hieroglyphics? Jesus Christ. It's like a race of obsessive compulsives <laughs> like right. meticulously covering every surface of a of a this impossibly huge monument in like detailed intricate meticulous little symbols right i think there is evidence that they were using some kind of psychedelic as be. well i don't i don't i don't remember what exactly what it was be. there's also this very interesting theory about christianity uh about how and if you look at old uh, artwork and stuff that there's mushrooms in there. That makes sense. And there's, there's apparently there's, I haven't I haven't checked out the book yet, but I'm it's on it's on my reading list. It's like the mushroom and the cross or something like that. <laughs> and it's, it, it apparently makes a very good case for the fact that Christianity started off as like a psychedelic cult. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. You know? And that was like the the source of the of the visions, right? So, well, I and, mean, and perhaps miracles and other things as well. The only the closest to a modern example of what ancient cultures would have been like would have been like the Native Americans and the Indian tribes, right? When the Europeans, you know, conquered and colonized these places that were still in primitive settings. I guess that's like the best anthropological, like they basically had access in say like the 1800s or the 1700s, the 1600s, to cultures that probably had been that way for millennia, hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, um, what were they doing? They were smoking peace pipes. Peace and pipe. Well, that was obviously weed, right? Something. Peace pipe. Peyote. Or was it tobacco? I think it was tobacco. Think, yeah. Was yeah, it yeah there was some peyote in the south. Probably, but certainly, but there was a hit. There was a high there, right. which which meat was completely. The function of it was completely to establish like a common vibe with the people gathered and get them on the same page or something. So that's hmm. interesting. Like that certainly argues in the favor of kind of us having done been doing this for a real long time. Did you have to puff puff pass with the peace pipe? Not sure what the protocol is, <laughs> but we do know a Native American, a full-blooded Native American. That's true. Or almost full-blooded. James. Yeah, who's descendant of uh, forget the name, but he's direct. He's a Mohawk. 
Shout out to James. Shout out to James. Yeah, maybe he he would uh, he could clear up some of these uh, stereotypes. <laughs> we'll have to have him back. I, I think Richard told me, uh, have you you've been to Burning Man? Yes. While we're on the topic of I kind have. of, maybe this would be a good time to. I thought this is what you wanted to talk about. <laughs> I, oh, really? I, I don't really, know. We didn't have an agenda. I well, know. Welcome, okay. Kristen. We, yeah. we haven't actually welcomed I, you to the show. So I welcome. can talk about Burning Man. Yeah? Yeah. I've always been fascinated by it. Um, I've I've looked at a lot of pictures of it. It's not like uh, what happens at Burning Man stays at Burning Man sort of situation. Mm, sometimes. Yeah. Some of it has to I can to talk be. about so it. Don't, don't, don't violate any of that. It's not a secret cult or anything. <laughs> can you no. tell us what led up to you going? Like, what's the... Sure. Um, the first time I went was in 2004 and it was really, really innocent. My friends and I wanted to get together as a group and go to some kind of party or event. And first we wanted to go to Love Parade in Berlin and then quickly realized that it was just really complicated to book hotels and to get over there and do Love Parade. So I started looking around it. I don't know if they still do it. Um, it's a huge rave basically that goes down through central Berlin um, it was a massive dance party, um, okay. a parade basically. Is this with where DJs the and is this where the Viking dude came from? I think so. Okay, I'm pretty sure. I don't know if they still do love parade or not. Um, but so it's just like let's party. Yeah, it's like a. It's literally like a giant love inspired free love rave music party that goes through the streets of Berlin. And again, I haven't heard about it for a few years, so it may not happen. But God, I love the so, Germans. After we realized that Love Parade wasn't realistic, I was like, well, I've heard about this thing called Burning Man, and it's um, in the U.S., and I think it's a hippie raver thing. I don't know. And we read all the stuff, and we got the supplies. None of us had ever been before. There were about eight or ten of us, and we went down there. They they publish like a... <clears throat> Excuse me. They published like a list of things you need to bring. Yeah, they okay. published a survival guide. They have to because the environment is so harsh. Where is it exactly? It's in Nevada. It's in Nevada. Okay. You're not far from Reno. A couple hours from Reno. Okay. And uh, we got down there, and if you can see my face, we were like, like completely blown away, confused actually, and kind of scared. And in 2004, it was different from what it is now. It was, was it? dark. It was like Mad Max. It yeah, was like was a bunch say, of. It looks like Fury Road, the festival. There were lots of hippies. There were lots of ravers, but there were also these like black-clad punks with these huge cars shooting flame, running around in the night, like just skanky and angry and really like, like hardcore. Like negative. Yeah, negative, but in a kind of like joyous "fuck you" kind of thing. Okay, and so they're not like they're not hurting anybody. No, they're they hurting really each aggro. other a little bit. Okay. Yeah, and doing dangerous things for sure. Um, Burning Man used to be really dangerous. Not so much anymore. Really? Um, but we were really unprepared for the scale of the experience. We were unprepared for the storms, for the weather, for the interpersonal experience of the whole thing. But it, I got hooked. And I, I took six years off because I had some kids. And then I went back, and I've now been seven times and I'm kind of hooked on it. Seven it's, times. It's a That's crazy experience. That's got to be some kind of a record. No, I met people who'd been like 21 times. Okay. You know, How long has this been going on? Since 86, I believe, okay. was the first one. And is there like a program? Mm. I mean, I know there's the burning of the yeah. huge wooden men at the end. There's a program. Um, but the difference is it's not like Lollapalooza or some kind of concert where everything is centrally organized yeah. and there's a plan. Shitty corporate the program is organized by the participants. So if you want to put on an event or you want to have a party or you want to have a thing, 
then you submit it to a central database and they print the plan based off of this. So the only centralized activities of the whole nine, 10 day festival is the burning of the man and the burning of the temple. Everything else is done by the participants for the participants. And what's the, what's the story behind the burning of the man in the temple? Where does that come from? Any idea? Um, the man is a bit of an enigma. Um, why we burn the man is really highly personal for every, everybody. Um, it's about renewal. It's about sacrifice. Um, it could be something else altogether that's just about something you need to do or experience. So they never really established what it was. It's just no. this thing that they do. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's definitely a death and renewal festival. It's very pagan, but there's no one interpretation. Sure. Um, the burning of the temple is about death and saying goodbye and starting fresh. The temple and is like the central structure of the Burning Man? Or? Um, the man is the central structure. Okay. And then behind the man is the temple. Um, both are really important structures, but the man is really what the whole thing is built around. And the temple, all week long, people come and say goodbye. They post photos, um, words. They come and sing. They, they, they pray. They meditate. Whatever you need to do to say goodbye to somebody or something in your life. So at the end of the week, the temple is covered in, you know, effigies and notes and presents. You and, name it, yeah. And then they burn it. And it's a very solemn okay. ceremony at the end. And it's kind of closure for the end of the event. And it's also um, about death. And, and, it's, and everything goes up and it's gone. And renewal. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of cool. It's yeah. neat. It's yeah, really it's cool. powerful. The Probably a lot, of, be, yeah. a lot of nakedness. A lot of nudity <coughs> in every way. I mean, not just physically, but like yeah, you're kind of going out there in your in your like little loincloth and like letting everything, leaving society and civilization, everything behind a little bit, right? It's kind of ideally, yeah. But it's changed a lot. I mean, parts of Burning Man are now like a big frat party. Oh no, um, yeah. not where I hang out. I mean, the event is huge. So like so, people with RVs show up. Oh yeah, tons of RVs. Um, sometimes it looks a little bit like spring break. You know, but it's such a huge event that you just don't have to see those people if you don't want to. How I many mean, people are we talking on average? Seventy thousand. Is there is there law enforcement? Is there anyone? Yep. Watching Tons this of stuff? law enforcement. We also have rangers, which is kind of um, mediator slash intermediary between the participants and the police and law enforcement. Desert so rangers. That they're like awesome. the in-house sort of custodian slash host okay. mediators for the event. Who they're actually participants who volunteer to do this. So a lot of things get taken care of before they even reach law enforcement. Okay. Well, I'm just thinking, uh, even if you go there with the best of intentions, get, getting going to that place emotionally and burying it all, as I, as I say, um, could lead to some negativity, you know, and some You have no idea what you're getting into when you get out there. Really, like, it could be anything. Um... You can play it safe and still discover new things about yourself and your campmates that you never knew. Because yeah. you're living for 10 days in an immediate environment with people that maybe you know and maybe you don't know, but you don't, there's nowhere to hide. You know, you have people who are in altered states um, quite often as well. So you bring that into the mix. You bring extreme climate and really hard work because people build massive structures in really extreme environmental conditions. So... 
you put that all together and it's pretty interesting what do you do if there's a storm yeah. hunker down like you have you, you go with a tent when you go or um the last few years i've had a dome what's that uh it's just a geodesic dome with that's covered so it's pretty dust proof um, that you rent or you buy or you my camp has domes that we use okay yeah yeah they're made of plastic um, wood? it's a mix of aluminum and spandex okay yeah that sounds cool yeah it's pretty sounds neat future you'll see a lot of them if you go online you can see a lot of the domes that people build um you just snap together the the frame and then Put it yeah, over or? pretty yeah. well. Yeah, the spandex okay. is really stretchy. Um, it keeps the dust out. It also, but it lets air through, so that because the wind, if you have a structure that's really wind tight and it's not strapped down properly, the wind can just come it's along, gone. pick yeah. it up, and toss it. Right. So, it's really good to have something that's a bit porous, that's anchored down. So, there's a whole philosophy and you know time honored tradition of how you build and secure your your structures. Because you could have a great week where it's like mm. no wind. Like this year was really good. There wasn't a lot of wind. But you could have a year where storms come through and just tear your camp apart too. And then Ooh. you're just like, yeah. Does it cost something to go? Yeah, it's about $500 okay. American. And what do they do with that money? That's just to pay the people and the equipment or? It goes back to the organization largely to put on the event. Um, sometimes the money also goes towards funding some of the art. Okay. Um, funding some of the infrastructure. And then um, there's other things that go towards some of the communities around um, around Nevada that, that are influenced by Burning Man. So Burning Man gives a lot of money to local schools, local roads, local community groups. Huh. So the money is distributed all over the place. But it costs a lot to put on an event like that. Who, who's behind this thing? Do you have any idea? Yeah, there's an organization behind but it. But like someone must have started, like a mm -hmm. person started this, right? Yeah, Are a guy they, started it. Is he still? He's still alive. Yeah, he still goes. His name's Larry Harvey. He's this old guy. He's yeah. really funny. He's this really quirky. This is his baby, whether he likes it or not. He's okay. a little bit cantankerous. <laughs> oh, know? is he really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's a whole crew around him of other people who have been there since the beginning that make it happen. And then they have an army of people that, that actually build and make it you know, make it come to life. Okay. Do, do you, does anyone know why he did this? Is it why he started this? Is this like a hippie thing from the um, 60s or? It's, I don't, it's kind of a weird mix. So he went out and raised an effigy in the, in, on the beach. I, I believe it was to commemorate the end of a relationship the first year. And him and a few friends burnt this effigy and that was the first Burning Man. And then they kept doing it every year on Baker Beach, um, somewhere near San Francisco, building this man and burning it, and it just grew and grew. And then there was an organization called the Cacophonists who had been going out to the desert and doing these kind of absurd art event kind of encounters out in the desert. And they kind of started to line up with Larry Harvey and his crew and introduced him to the Black Rock Desert. And then the whole thing went out there and they started doing it out on the desert. And so it was a mix of cultures. It was this kind of California, I don't know if they were really hippies. Surfers um, maybe. I don't really know. They just were just like Californian dudes. Laid back artists. That sort types. of like, yeah, that sort of converged with these San Francisco um, artists slash um, sort of almost performance artists. Um, you know, Pranksters. They're basically pranksters. Pranksters. I would that would be a good word for it. And okay. so and then they started heading out into the desert. So Burning Man has this amalgam of different cultures that made it happen. And you can still see that in some of the art and the 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 different art cars and camps where 
these different influences have come in. But there's even more now. I mean, you got the hippies, you got the the dot com billionaires, you've got the you know starting ravers. Turning into Coachella. <laughs> there's a whole like so many different things happening at once out, out there. Is Kanye there? That's what I need to know. Because <laughs> that's when I'm signing up. I'm going as soon as Kanye is going. He's a punk. He's a dog. He's a pig. He's a con, a bullshit artist, a mutt who doesn't know what he's talking about, doesn't do his homework, doesn't care, thinks he's gaming society, doesn't pay his taxes. He's an idiot. Colin Powell said it best. He's a national disaster. He's an embarrassment to this country. It makes me so angry that this country has gotten to this point, that this fool, this bozo, has wound up where he has. He talks how he wants to punch people in the face. Well, I'd like to punch him in the face. You work in the digital field? Is I that, do. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. What's, what's your bag exactly? I'm a consultant. Okay. Um, I do a lot of content. Uh, I also manage ad campaigns. Um, it changes all the time based on demand. Lately, I've been doing a lot of blogging, mostly ghost blogging. So I blog for other clients, um, writing about digital media. So what's interesting is I used to manage a lot of digital media campaigns. And now, quite often, I write about managing digital media and as we get up to Black Friday, of course, I right now manage a lot of ad campaigns too. It's very seasonal, depending on the time of that year, um, budgets, availability. So um, I bounced back and forth for years between full-time work and consulting. And just based on the way I live, the fact that I'm a parent, that I, I'm a bit of an introvert, you know, I need my space. Um, working for me is really the best thing right now. Yeah. Okay, cool. So... Um, that I guess this makes you kind of like a person that's really hooked into like what's going on in the digital sphere. Like you, you keep abreast of the situation. I try to. There's a lot. There's, There's a, a lot, lot to yeah. keep on top of. So Constant. sometimes I get on top of very specific things because I need to write about them. Um, there's just a lot. I don't have time to keep on top of everything. That's for sure. Yeah. That by itself is a full-time job. Yeah. Just keeping abreast. <laughs> of what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's. Uh, I wonder what that expression comes from. I don't know. Um, but it makes me feel a little funny in my t- every time like, <laughs> somebody uses that word. It feels tingly. like it's like a, a water <laughs> thing. Like it's a swimming thing. Like you keep abreast. Like you stay on top of the water. Or abreast, like a cross. You know, cross. Like maybe I don't know. Okay, mm-hmm. so what what's what's going on right now? Like, what's the big? What's the talk? What's the? What are the issues? Inquiring minds want to know. Mm, well, I mean, Google Analytics is about to unroll a new interface. So that's the thing that I'm a little bit sort of like excited about okay. is what that's going to be. And people who've seen it um, say that it's pretty different. And I imagine that moving forward into ad technology, particularly AdWords and the whole Google product suite, that things are going to get a lot more automated and i mean it's always taken an expert to manage these campaigns and someone with a lot of time and experience you know behind them but i think that with the new analytics interface i imagine that they're going to dumb it down so automation yeah automate it but also make things a lot of reports that are going to make it a lot easier to understand data without an expert level knowledge of um what you're looking at which is a good thing bad thing Sounds it's a like good a thing. thing. It's mm-hmm. a good thing um, because, I mean, it's, if it means that people don't waste their money and that they understand what's going on with their websites and with their e-commerce, you know, websites, then that's great. I feel like it's not going to mean less work for 
people like me and Richard because no one has time for this. I mean, part of my job is to do the work that nobody else wants to do. Everyone knows how to write. We all learned how to write in school. It doesn't mean that there's less work for me because no one wants to do it. I mean, or has the time for it. No one has the time. Obligations. Yeah, or they just hate doing it, or there's no one dedicated person. So what happens in a lot of these companies is that there's no one person who writes, or there's no one person who does social media, or who manages the adwords or the different advertising campaigns, and so nobody does it, or that one person kind of does it, but just kind of as part of a whole bunch of things they don't have time to do. So. I used to get worried about more automation and more transparent, more complex and more sort of um, useful data. But I think it's just going to mean that, you know, they're still going to hand it off because even if the reports are easier to understand, no one's going to have the time to do it. Right. Mm. Yeah. And there's, there's a, I'm, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the same thing we were talking about before, but like public speaking that people have the, like a fear of public speaking. I think people have a fear of writing too, mm-hmm. right? And it's yeah. probably to a lesser degree, but similar in that you're still exposing yourself a little bit and putting yourself out there. Maybe less so if you're if you're ghost writing, but whoever's name is on there, it's like yeah. if you, or in the situation where you're writing your own stuff, like yeah, you're opening your in the same way as having a podcast. You know, like you're kind of going public and opening up anything that you have to say to to criticism. In highly yeah. highly sensitive times, right? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah, it's it, it, it's sensitive. That's you're, a full time job. You're exposing yourself just in bit. itself. Yeah, dodging the bullets. I guess everybody's a critic. Yeah, you know, everybody's a critic. Um, yeah. I blame yeah. DVD b- DVDs for this. You blame DVDs yes. for this. I have a theory. Okay, that I should write down at some point in a more elaborate way. But I'll write it down for you. I got a pen. I feel like the <laughs> DVD era um, cracked open. Um, the sort of magic behind the behind the scenes type of thing, right? Right. So they need when they need to sell DVDs, they need to make it viable, as opposed to VHS. While the extra space, i.e., featurettes and making ofs and stuff like that, start to become like a value product, right? That's why you would want it. Even today, when you, why they're still moving Blu-ray, is because you're going to get the 26-hour version of that film uncut with the seven other DVDs or the seven other discs with how they made everyone's hair hair pieces or whatever, right? <laughs> this, while this content sounds ridiculous, clearly it was the selling point of DVDs, but I think what it also did is just as the internet was coming in on its own, it created this uh, literally peeking behind the curtains. Yeah. And now you have YouTubers, um, um, you know, describing and dissecting films with film language yeah that was not available to the mainstream or the mass like the public before and they're like yes and they're making these observations about camera movement and budgeting and things like that. i feel like dvd opened up this kind of idea of knowing the spoilers the inside scoop Mm. the behind the scenes maybe not solely obviously there Mm. was other things going on the internet obviously Mm. is a massive looking behind the scenes right like a Reddit where you're like for years you were talking about quantum mechanics and then the guy that does quantum mechanics gets on yeah and in layman explains to you what what the fuck is going on yeah right I don't know does this make any sense it does I mean we have enough information at our disposal now that we can if we get obsessed enough talk knowledgeably about anything even if we've never done it so yeah, yeah 
Yeah, makes sense. And people aren't content with the the old delivery system anymore. You know, it used to be just very front facing kind of delivery of any any media and stuff. That that's no longer uh, sufficient, right? Like people want the full immersive experience. They want the behind the scenes. They want to be in the know. The speculation. Right. It's not. It's not. It's not the monologue anymore. It's kind of more the dialogue. Right. right. Like. It's not sufficient anymore just to put out a, a piece of content. You need to then reach out to the fans and talk to them about it. And like you see this in movies, you see this with every music, piece of you media, see it yeah. with like yeah. I mean yeah, it's like throwing everyone's out a doing like AMAs shop. on Reddit, like you mentioned. You know, like that that kind of con- people want something like a richer experience. Yeah, I met a guy who was a IT dude um, for a, for Warner Brothers and. Um, he was getting sort of offers like Microsoft wants him because he's like a machine. Like he publishes journals on his own and he's really, really good at what he does. And uh, I said, do you, are, you, are you on Reddit? He's like, oh, yeah, all the time, all the time. I'm like, so what do you, do you read like these complex texts about new technology? He's like, oh, no, fuck no. He's like, my favorite thread is this guy who it's, I think it's called something like talk to me like I'm a five-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love Reddit. And, That's so good. And what happens is these like these professors and these MIT guys will get on and explain something incredibly intricate, but put it in like ter- layman. Yeah. Right. They'll explain yeah. uh, some really crazy, you know, optics thing to you, but in like, all right, little Timmy. Here's how this works. <laughs> That's great, right? Well, that's why we all need social media because in our and I think the information economy demands a lot from us. We're strapped into a, de- a, a desk or a laptop or whatever we've got um, for hours every day, and we need an outlet, and we need dopamine, and we need human contact and oxytocin, and Social media does that for you. It gives you that little outlet into real happy, playful, funny. What you you can dumb it down. You can do whatever you like in this little window in the middle of your day. Hmm. And I think it's probably why most workplaces no longer block social media. Is right. they know that the work maybe they don't know it to this point, but they know that we need it for our well being when we do this kind of work. It's fascinating. Because it's so unnatural <clears throat> that you're sitting in a chair for eight hours a day and plugged into multiple screens. Yeah. Just like drying out your eyeballs. Like the you amount of... something. Yeah, the amount of pressure, the amount of just really dull stuff that most of us have to do and the amount of attention that we have to pay to it, we need an outlet. Yeah. And the water cooler just doesn't cut it anymore. You know, we don't really have that world we really need, we need to watch cat videos. We need to chat with our friends. We need to say hello to people out there who are doing the same thing that we are, or we just get too friggin' lonely. It's refreshing right. to hear someone uh, position it that way because I think there's a bit of a trend now to kind of, and I think I've fallen prey to it too, of like, oh, the ills of social media, oh, the terror, the, mm. the undoing of the human mind and fabric of society and how it's bringing out the worst in us, which certainly it's also doing, mm-hmm. right? I don't know what you make of that, like the message board. I think anything can be unhealthy. Terror. And I think what's interesting about social media is when you get on these long threads and these you know, comment you know, threads with really dysfunctional, weird interaction is these people exist 
I don't think the internet makes them that no, way. Definitely in not. some cases, maybe. In some cases, maybe the internet brings out or feeds something. But it's really refreshing to see what's out there and to see what people actually think. And it's interesting because we live in such a complex world that we need to um, we need to absorb information at a really amazing rate, and we need to absorb a lot of information, and we need to understand the other. And the internet allows us to do that. So yeah, it can be dysfunctional and it can be harmful and addictive just like anything but i think it it serves society a purpose it's happening right now for a reason it's because our hyper what's the word i'm thinking of our sort of the speed at which our society is moving and the amount of information that we need to know the six o'clock news just isn't going to cut it anymore yeah right right we need we need this you need a a feed speaking of automated things Right, I think Facebook just started that. Right, they automated their newsfeed. They fired everybody that was curating it. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all automated now. That's why the headlines are so weird. I don't know if you noticed in the past month or so, it's gone from like edited content and like normal sounding stuff Hmm. to sometimes weird headlines with weird symbols in them that like don't make sense, where like the bot didn't interpret it properly, Hmm. or a headline where it weirdly aggregated something that is completely off like falsehood well they've been using an algorithm for quite some time to to dictate the the content that they feed to you right but it was still kind of like i think there were still people there until very recently but the people at facebook aren't writing the content no no they're just deciding what shows up in your curating yeah Yeah. but i think they've fully automated that if not almost completely automated it now and you can tell because before you had headlines now you just have like weird like it'll just literally say it'll say richard and jason and underneath 350,000 people are talking about this and then you put your arrow over it and then it gives you kind of a confused jumble of like what why oh those are the hashtags you're talking about the hashtags i'm talking Basically. about the news feed on the side on the uh, yeah the news feed is actually like the the, your home page yeah no like i meant like the little news the little sidebar news bar, yeah where yeah. they used to have daily news like that's oh been, i don't even look at that <laughs> yeah i, yeah, I, I just tune that out completely i have a i obsessively look at that thing oh wow every day i don't know why and they're getting it wrong right now Well, they were it was it was super like it was organic you yeah. still felt that of course some of the stories were handpicked because they they like those stories but now it's just weird you can you can feel that it's a robot behind it it's not like human yeah, it's it's measuring the number of mentions of like a certain thing, and then exactly. it's just putting it there, and then it, you mess over it, and it's something completely stupid. Yeah, it'll be something really strange. Well, uh, kind of, Facebook sort of bit the hashtag thing off of Twitter, and that they haven't really done it properly. Oh, is that right? Yeah, the whole hashtag thing was was something with Twitter because right. with, with with Twitter, like you need a, a way. Because Facebook is, is all about like people you know, and then Twitter is a bunch of people that you don't know, but it's people who have maybe common interests, uh, interests and stuff, with yeah. you and stuff. But like, how do you aggregate some of these conversations? Their solution was the hashtag, right? So you add the hashtag, and then if you're talking about the VMAs, you're talking about the Emmys, you're talking about Kanye, Kanye West, <laughs> then everyone can add that hashtag and be part of that same right. conversation. You search for the hashtag and then everyone's Do you ever do talking. that? I was going to ask you guys. But then ever... Facebook brought it o- over and then tried yeah, to use something similar. It's, it's kind of 
pointless. It just ends up being like, oh, this is popular right now, and then you mouse over and it's garbage. Right. Do you ever search for news by hashtag? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Um, sometimes for work, if I'm looking for specific topics, but normally during a live event, an election, I didn't doing, do it during the Trump-Clinton um, debate, but normally during something like that, it's a great way to just get the running commentary. You just put in a hashtag, and then you just follow all the comments as they go along. Hmm. That's where it's useful. I mean, Twitter's for me, it's all about the real-time yeah. experience. Absolutely. What did you think of that debate? Oh my god! It was so entertaining. Wrong, wrong. <laughs> you beat me to it. Wrong. Why? How he kept going like wrong, wrong, wrong. Like, oh, interrupting yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. No, I, I forgot you. that part. I was like, yeah, no. He he proved himself to be um, a cokehead, probably. Oh, you and, think so? Well, the sniffing. Was that, was that the sniffing? And only during like the first no. 20 minutes of the debate. And then there was no more sniffing. You think so? You think it was yeah. just a nervous tick or something no, like that? No, it was because it was, it, was con- it was monkey wrenching Hillary's points constantly, right? Even when he, the few times that he had to shut up, he could still kind of fuck with what Hillary was saying because you could just hear him sniffing, sniffling in the back, right? Oh, my it's God. brilliant. It's fucking brilliant. If he, I don't he was know. doing it while he was talking. Yeah. yeah, but like, who cares, right? That's the whole thing. You can just do whatever. Some matter. of the mashups are fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the way he totally fell apart at one point. Like, for, at the beginning, he kind of was matching her arguments and they were having like a back and forth. And then when we got on the topic of him being for the Gulf War, and he went into that long, rambling, sort of almost like crazy old man yeah. story that he repeated two or three times about all these different radio hosts. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, he is not all there. Yeah, he's a nutter. Or he knows that he doesn't For need sure. to be. Or he went off. You think so? Are, yeah, I think he knows that he doesn't really need to be. I don't know. Work. He was squirming a little bit. You I think he's just he just thinks he's gonna walk away with this? He's walked away from much worse, right? Like his whole life has been about just shooting off his mouth and and talking big and sometimes it's paid off and sometimes it hasn't. He literally is like he's a textbook sociopath. Like he yeah, just doesn't absolutely. care. Absolutely. So I don't think that he registers guys like that don't register fail failure at all. Yeah. He's just so immature, I find. They brush it off. Particularly since yeah. like if if someone says like that's not accurate as an example like this is, that's not entirely accurate i think the moderator said like that's not accurate he's like you're not accurate <laughs> <laughs> like he always does that thing where he just turns it around and like whatever they said he's like yeah well you times you 100 <laughs> i'm rubber you're glue yeah exactly you know? no you're not no you i'm not picture, you are you, you know yeah i know you are but what am i yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> you can totally picture a little little young trump which is so disturbing he's somehow still wearing a suit and his hair is still weird. But he meant like 10, doing like, yeah, I know what I am. But what are, like you can picture him still doing it. Right? <laughs> totally. You know what he sounds like? He sounds like, remember back in class when on oral presentation day? Yeah. He sounds like every kid that didn't read the book but tried to bullshit their way yeah. through it. Yeah. yeah. That's what he sounds like. He's like the supreme chancellor of I didn't read up on it but I'm just gonna shoot my mouth off I think I think that's what really came out of it I think there was there were a few articles written on this subject that it seemed like it was like the bully and like the prepared candidate but it doesn't matter that's the problem that's the sad thing here is it doesn't matter because they are historically the two most despised 
candidates to ever set foot in, in that into that arena, right? Mm. Hillary's approval or like people hate her guts and people hate Trump and they hate them both, right? So yeah. at this point, they're both lacking credibility. Hillary's got a bunch of skeletons in her closet. Hillary's got way more credibility than he does. B- yes, but barely. As far as the average Joe is well, concerned. Experience, experience with with a perception of corruption right. versus no experience. Wait, what, one's a politician, the other one is a con man. That's not a... But a politician in a, in a system that's perceived to be broken. corrupt. Yes. Yeah. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that... They, neither, of the, neither of them are winning popularity contests in mm-hmm. any way, right? They're so unlikable. Both of them, mm-hmm. right? Hillary Hillary's has more likable. Barely. But, I mean... She just in, doesn't in, immediately in in, invoke Trump, outrage. I mean. well, her facial expressions made her likable to me. Whenever he said oh, something yeah. really outrageous, and she would just make those faces, or she would laugh. And to me, that was bringing out a side of her... You know, Her sense of humor is obviously really good. Her delivery on those kind of reactions were brilliant yeah that was good yeah that was yeah. really good i mean they're good for memes but i don't think they're gonna make an impact <laughs> you that's, think that's it, it, it made an impact for me i yeah. i my uh my opinion of hillary was improved from that from sure that but you were never gonna vote for trump if you were american ever right no matter no. never that was never no. gonna happen no, no, no. and so the battleground is not for your votes it's for the 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 in between in betweeners right yeah. it's for the unwashed undecided masses that's who they're battling for and, at the, and end the, of the wealthy day, right well, yes mm, true. but are you, are you unwashed are you do you think the wealthy will really be worse off with hillary than they will be with trump well trump is throwing the wealthy a bone he's saying he's going to cut taxes yeah that's pretty compelling sure. for someone who, who who's in business and especially in big business yeah, yeah. trickle down sounds pretty good to yeah, somebody but like, at yeah. the top the dems do the same thing they just do it more covertly like they yeah. just make it happen otherwise they're less they don't they play the whole like we're the friend of the little poor working class middle class they, they do all that spiel but they just get the money to those guys in bailouts <laughs> you know in other ways yeah like, they're pretty corporate too they find other ways so i don't i think that the really the dangerous part here is that what we have is a yahoo we have a clown and we have a terrible lunch lady type, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Who sometimes will just not give you your, your slop when you come by because she's like, no, just keep going. <laughs> and she's skimming off the register. So you have the lunch lady and the clown. And unfortunately, the clown, even though he's terrible, <laughs> makes you laugh a little bit more than the lunch lady. He does. And that might sway the vote. And unfortunately, that's my fear. Well, I was in the U.S. a couple of weeks ago, and I was in my motel, lunch room, breakfast room, and it was all Trump on TV because he's entertaining. They don't feature Hillary. They show his sound bites and his speeches because people get a reaction and they get more attention. Did you did you For hear sure. he's, he's, uh, he's rigged that whole the whole system? Did you yeah. hear he in terms he, of the coverage? He's hurting NFL ratings. No. The only thing in the United States that is untouchable is NFL and maybe uh, Major League Baseball ratings. They're, they've never, they only go up, right? They, NFL has been taking hits to their ratings because of Trump. Wow. Do you think he's going to win? Yes. You do, eh? Although I I'm suspect he's going to drop out at the last second. I, I have 20 bucks writing on this. Mm-hmm. I feel like he doesn't want to do the work, like uh, Michael Moore had said. Yeah. Um. I feel like he's going to find some way to weasel his way out and then walk away with the 
best. He's like, I could have been president, but I didn't want it. But I knew it was fixed. I just <laughs> knew they were going. I, I knew it. You know, I so, talked to some people, and uh, they didn't want it. No, they didn't want it. Well, if he drops out, what happens? Well, she uh, he benefits from the mother of all PR campaigns. Yeah. Right? He is immortal, right? From 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 till the, his grandkids are going to be famous. Wait, if he he wins the election and he's like, I don't want to do the job. No, I or don't think he comes he, I think really he's close and then drop drops out at the out. last second. And then it's like default Hillary victory. I don't know how that works. That's the or thing. does his um, second in command step in and like run? His vice president has to exactly. Take so when the elect, if he drops out just before the election, then his his vice president suggests will will go I don't up think against that Hillary. Works. I I think this my best guess is that that the Republicans would have to like the GOP would have to like emergency put someone in in as a backup like a Romney or a, they would they wouldn't touch Cruz with a ten. They're probably plan. growing like a, a backup like a, plan. Like, like, yeah, like a like a Trump clone that could be like <laughs> controlled <laughs> remotely sort of yeah. thing just in case. The real Trump's actually been dead for 20 years. <laughs> We've just been getting this guy. He's just, he's just as great, but yeah. he has the best words. I don't know. I, I just feel like it's this like a floating thing, toupee with like a hologram generator underneath Something it. like that. Like a it, drone just like hovering. But it just, I mean, his, he's an egomaniac, and I can see the job appealing to him from that standpoint, but that being president is work. Yeah. Yeah. Look at Obama, or every president ever, and prime minister for that matter, how much it ages them. Ooh. Four or eight years of anyone in that job, and yeah. it ages them like 15 or 20 years. Uh, Roosevelt, not Theodore, but um, the other Roosevelt. Eleanor? No, that's the wife of the <laughs> actual know. guy I'm talking about. <laughs> um, what's his name? The other Roosevelt, the World War II uh, Roosevelt. Um, Teddy? No, Teddy would. I don't know. Teddy I, was Theodore. Theodore. I don't know my American right. history. Jeez, <laughs> well. I was just watching a document. He's the wheelchair president. Right. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. What a story that was! Holy shit! So, dude was like um, perfectly groomed from a perfect family, high society, almost aristocrat. We're at the last of the aristocrats. This in this period, right? Churchill's an aristocrat, um, and then so he comes into power. And he's like this dashing ladies' man, but he gets hit with polio at the at the outset of his presidency, mm. and nobody knows. And there's wow. no internet at this point, right. so he actually managed to keep his uh, disability a secret for the longest time. They you just know, photographed him from the waist up. They, they would do that. Wow. They had him in braces. They actually had him in bra- he some of his most memorable speeches like the only thing we have to fear is fear itself like that he was literally hanging onto the podium for dear life because he was being held up by like two rods oh my god um, and doing his best to just not pass out because yeah. his harness is holding him up so polio fucked him up really badly and then he somehow managed to shepherd the United States through the New Deal through these these cataclysmic society changing he brought the u.s out of its insular kind of uh uh, self-obsession and got them to actually participate in the world war and fight hitler and meanwhile in the background he's like slowly dying Hmm. and um he even had a quack doctor which i didn't even know until recently he this naval doctor was his personal physician and he was a he was a he was a quack. Hmm. He would visit him every morning, 
and would just like take coffee and breakfast and shoot the shit with him and like no stethoscope no medical instruments no nothing right and then at some point he started to feel really sick and the do- naval doctor was like oh he needs some sunshine and some rest <laughs> and he yeah, yes he's just a little rheumatosis or whatever he'd come up with this bullshit like he's okay and then he had like a weird spell where they had to rush him to a nearby naval hospital and some like young newly appointed doctor kind of like you know took a look at him and was like what the fuck is going on here this guy's heart's about to explode his heart is like the size of a tennis ball oh jesus or rather three tennis balls his um pressure is through the roof who the fuck is this guy's doctor says this young naval officer and then he almost got railroaded by the the physician like the 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 quack wow but luckily he managed to like no he's like no he needs to no more alcohol no more cigarettes and he literally kept uh, him alive long enough to finish the war and to basically back this whole deal with uh, Russia and whatever it's like a crazy fucking story but I guess what I'm saying is like that guy held it together and we were worried that Bernie Sanders couldn't do two terms you know if that guy did it, I think. Oh, Bernie will live to a hundred. That guy's a tough yeah. old dude. I think he'll be. Yeah. he'll hang in there. Well, it's not unlike what happened in Canada with Jack Layton. You know, I mean, he he probably knew he was sick quite a lot longer than we knew, you and he so? went through this massive yeah. campaign. He almost won, or he didn't, or he came. He didn't almost win, but he did really, really, really well. You know, yeah, really became well. the opposition. He would have been. He would be prime yeah. minister, I think. Now he would, if he had lived, he would have become prime minister, I think, too. Would that have mm. been a good thing, or are we just being nostalgic about how much we liked it? Because I met, the, well, I met him. He was, he's, a, he's a, he's a sweetheart. Like he's a yeah. mean, His charisma is undeniable. But would he like Sanders? Was he a? Was he a credible? I think he would have choice? been awesome. Yeah. But you know, I'm a little bit of a commie, so. <laughs> I, I can't help it. <laughs> I love that idea. I, I, I think he was amazing. But, you know, it would have been different. It would have been maybe a blow to some of the business interests, for sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Which 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 would have then maybe given given the ammo to some blowhard to come and, like, wreck everything afterwards, right? Because there's always that ebb and flow with uh, politics of, like, we want peace and then we want war. And then mm-hmm. we want peace and then we want war. But we always want change. Yeah. Right. So whatever, That's, whatever's going, whatever the order of the day is, we want, we want change from the, whatever that is. Yeah. Every speech has to be like, this place is going to hell. Like, I mean, yeah. Trump yes, is playing. Yes, we can. He's playing that uh, trumpet. Yeah, it's exactly the same thing. In a very, uh, very similar. Yeah, it's the same emotional card playing. It's, uh, Obama did the same thing, right? Like, yes, we can. Yes, we can. Mm-hmm. Not sure what, but we can. Yeah. Um. But what we realize is, yes, we can, but we won't. <laughs> or we, we can't. <laughs> or we can't. <laughs> right, we can't. Yes, we can, but our hands are tied. Right. Yeah. We would if we could. And therefore, we won't. In theory, we can. Right. Anything's possible. That's my campaign. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so you think Hillary is going to get in? Do you think uh, at the end of the day, maybe? Yeah, I do. When reality sets in. I think she's going like, to get in. I would um, like to think that. Yeah. How sad is that? That's, that, that's what our best hope is. You know, I'm fine with that. I yeah. really am. I, you know, I'm pretty jaded with American politics. And as long as we have someone who is not totally batshit crazy mm. running that country, we're going to be fine. Yeah, yeah, I feel that's what it comes down to. It's like a vote for Hillary is a bit of a vote for a status quo. 
and then there's just some men who want to see the world burn. <laughs> right? yeah. Some part of me, though, so like a vote that, for uh, Trump is just like, and it's a vote for anarchy and just tearing everything down. What will the international community do if Trump gets in? I mean, who they, knows? They're all appalled right now that this guy has a shot at it. What's going to happen? Some well, are, Putin likes some are it. Loving it. Yeah, yeah, Putin likes it. Anybody else though? Is there anybody else who is like ISIS loves it? <laughs> <laughs> okay. They're huge fans. Okay. They they this plays right into their hand of mm. they're they're loving it, right? Um any blowhard kind of type of nation that's still led by some one of those like old school type of like yes and strength and imperialism and industry like those guys and business and whatever i question the amount of damage that a president can actually do modern day so assuming he gets in Mm -hmm. i wonder what kind of interesting um curtains that's going to pull back because we're either going to find out that this whole thing is really flimsy and a guy like that can come in and fuck the entire globe up which is the nightmare scenario or we're going to find out that the president never really had any power anyway and that there are there's a solid system of good old boys and lobbyists and checks in place so that he can go on about nuclear power all he wants but he can't really pull the trigger as much as he says he can well there's a system in place that has like a bunch of redundancies in terms of like uh, creating new policy, right? So there's like a bunch of different steps that you need to go through, and there's all these mechanisms that f- that prevent a president from being able to just like all of a sudden say like the color green is illegal. Yeah, Doctor Strange you know, life, life whatever. Shit. Yeah, but when it comes to like nuclear strike capabilities, that system is very different. That system is built for decisiveness and like. The, the nuclear codes are at the president's disposal, like the fingers on the button. So that's that's really the the problem. I wonder. Right? I wonder if that's true. Um, yeah, that's what we've I been mean, led to believe. Yeah. But I wonder if that's true, because yeah. that sounds to me like it sounds to me like the people who who are keeping things, the banks and the power mongers and the people who are kind of keeping things in check to their benefit, would not want. You know, nuclear fallout. They obviously don't want anything to go that horribly wrong because that means the end of their business. Well, it means the end of many of us. (laughs) You know, (laughs) but they need us. They need us to keep toiling away. That's so so cynical. Rich, they do. I know, right? They're not going to go pick the lettuce. I think the system. (laughs) They're not going to fuck. They're not going to send their children to war. Pick the iceberg lettuce and ship yes. it across the country. Why do we keep picking that goddamn? It's, it's I, I hate iceberg lettuce. Sorry, go on. <laughs> I think that the 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 that's that's the a bit of the Achilles heel in the whole process, right? Is that the 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 process of you know how a bill becomes a law and all that stuff? That's that's a community vote, right? Like the the president doesn't have the right to be able to just push something through in that sense but well yeah if he did then obama would have been far more effective on right. some of his policies Absolutely. which he couldn't be yeah he couldn't yeah he couldn't follow through on a lot of things he well, mostly because the house was is the was stacked yeah. yeah right so the nuclear strike or the military strike 
mechanism is very different and that's built for decisiveness that's built with the assumption that the that the person at the top like the that the president is like a competent sane human being Mm -hmm. so what happens when you put an insane human being in that in that position is that you open up all this potential for mayhem right yeah and potentially like the extinction extinction of our species well yeah but i mean like that's like, that's a little dramatic. I mean, I don't think he can like get up in the middle of the night and like have a donut and go like, you know what, fuck Russia, and go down to the basement and you know press all the buttons. He has to go through several, several security checks and talk with his chief of staff or whatever, and he has to go with the generals. Like he can't just go in there and start pressing buttons. I can't believe that it's that simple. I, I disagree. But the image you just stirred up in my mind of Trump in his house coat with his ruffled hair yeah. with coke all over he's him, Scrooge, you know, and he's just like. <gasps> kill them all and he's down in the basement you know in his gilded mansion <laughs> pushing buttons and it making phone calls that, that aggra- it would be like you know I just think China we should just get rid of China let's just do it I don't like China and then he's yeah. visited by the ghost of Christmas past that's what we need <laughs> we need an elaborate ghost of Christmas past present and future prank a, a hologram in the Trump household to mansion to set him on whatever. the right so yeah. need to, I'm not gonna just do to tell work. him no whenever he gets to that point yeah. you know he's screwed he really no. is He's he's Scrooge. He's the Scrooge like art wrong art, yeah. type. Wrong, wrong, <laughs> right? Bah humbug. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I can't. I I refuse. I could be completely wrong. I have no information, but I refuse to believe that it's that simple. If the president says bomb this country, yeah, he can he can meet with whatever advisors he wants. But at the end of the day, it's his call. There hasn't been a nuclear. Uh, or I, I think you'll Hopefully find it nu- nuclear, nuclear, nuclear. Uh, there huge, been, huge nuclear. I don't think there's been any nuclear action or play since World War Two, right? Or since, um, yeah, since World War Two. Apart from testing, there hasn't. No one, no nation has actually employed nuclear uh, weapons against another nation. No. I think, as powerful as the U.S. is, if that started to rattle around. Uh, I think the world would turn on the U.S., and I think at that point we'd be at a deadlock. I don't think, I don't think Trump Towers and Trump Golf. I think he wants to keep those businesses running, right? And he's making a lot of money in China and a lot of money in these other China, 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 in the Saudis, or whatever. Anyway, we're <laughs> we're getting way too into this, but the point is that uh, I, I I don't know. What do you think? You think oh he can God. just sort of like. You know, I don't have enough information. Just drop bombs on everybody. It, people are saying that the president has the nuclear codes and that gives him a lot of power to make these decisions. Um, it seems to be a concern, but I don't actually know. Um, I think I I think global security is at stake if he becomes president. Um, but I do think that the international community is going to shore up considerably, and they have to. I mean, you're going to see Europe, you're going to see Asia figuring out a contingency plan pretty quickly for how to deal with the U.S., including probably the U.N. People are going to be ready for this guy. They're preparing now. What it if he comes be. into power? They've al- already got a plan B somewhere in a vault. With If an oligarch starts to rule the U.S., what do the rest of us do? So right. I have to trust the international community to step in on that. That's my feeling on it. And part of it part of me believes that sometimes you do have to let the barn burn down, you know? It's not pretty. 
there's mm. collateral damage but sometimes the rot <laughs> is too deep and i think maybe sometimes a little uh fuego it can go a long way you know maybe the u.s needs to come face to face with itself as a nation and realize like despite all the supremely intelligent forward-thinking innovators that it, it consistently has yielded since it's been founded as a country it has nevertheless unfortunately done this with a with a like throng of yokels in in tow you know many of whom are great people but are just not cannot have never transitioned from that 50s America of of self-interest that and insular internal 1890s America possibly even 1890s America yeah just yeah, concerned yeah. with itself perpetually yeah. concerned with itself and not aware of the world yeah suspicious immediately of, of foreigners especially Europeans um, believing that Amer being American washes away all these concerns that at the end of the day just be American and that you're going to be fine speak it wear it cover your door handles and flags and the flag and Jesus and all this other stuff that's just it's so insane <laughs> but I think maybe it needs to burn I don't want to see it burn but it is only a matter of time right you, you've known some self-destructive people in your life that you've tried to help and they just kind of end up hurting you back <laughs> and it's just like at some point you're like you know what here's some rope Or at least I'm not going to intervene next time. I'm going to let you roll down those stairs, destroy everything around you, and hope, cross my fingers and pray that you're going to come out of it, you know, with some kind of maybe understanding of these cycles you're stuck in, you know. And I think we have problems of our own up here. We just, right now, everyone seems to have gone to sleep the second that pretty boy went and got into office. Like, I think every, all the Canadians are like, oh, yeah, problem's over. <laughs> Have you noticed? Canadian accent. That's great. <laughs> no one's. <laughs> oh, yay. Oh, yeah. No one's said, no one's talked about politics at all. Yeah. The minute Trudeau got ding voted dong, in. dong, the witch is dead. <laughs> <ding> <laughs> dong, <laughs> it's true. You just dong. look at him and everything. Just Harper being gone has just given everybody the impression that we've fixed everything. We're like, yay. Right. He's so pretty. Oh, look. He's meeting a little girl in the in the you know parliament and talking to her about stuff. Mm -hmm. Oh, Emma Watson or whatever is representing, is going to talk to him about sexual representation or whatever gender roles. Oh, that's nice. Oh, he's going to this funeral now. Like no one cares. Hmm. And, and now he's shirtless. Now he's on a beach. Right. It's so dreamy. It's in his contract. <laughs> and meanwhile, he enables a massive gas plant to be built in British Columbia, right? I mean, it's business Is that as what's usual. going on? See, that's the sad yeah, thing. I'm not even abreast uh, of yeah. what's going on. It was on. approved. Abreast. Again with the abreast. He's approved. Chill the fuck out, right, man. Right, right, right. It's the best part of the chicken, though. <laughs> okay, um, he's approved some massively dis disgusting yeah. industry thing. Yeah. What is it? A plant? I'm not 100% clear. I think okay. it's a shipping facility uh -huh. that's going to ship uh, liquid gas. Lovely. To yeah. I assume Asia. Again, I just got the news flash today and I China. don't know the details. But China. yeah, he's he's moving ahead with some of that stuff that we we were worried about. I mean, I'm sure it's it's going to be on a case-by-case -case basis because he's got to keep everybody happy. Right. But um, disapprove that pipeline. Approve this other one over uh -huh. here, you know. That's what mm. I mean. Like the the nice guys sometimes, you know, maybe maybe we maybe US can't handle another status quo president. 
another like everything's fine as the ship is like ramming speed into the you know maybe you need a guy to just push into it. a crisis yeah S- have the actual country go like what now i don't give america the awareness to actually pull itself out of a crisis i think that it will become mayhem um it's already bad enough down there i mean even people i know who have educations and um career potential and um even they're fucked what do you mean in what terms just no opportunities there's just no opportunities people don't have work when you start looking at like i don't even know how some people live down there in the u.s there's so much unemployment how do people even feed themselves I, I don't I, I I don't know. There's no social know? safety net. Very little. There's what food stamps There's and no a little Medicare. bit of unemployment. I, I don't know. I and anyway, it I guess they die off. I don't know. I don't know. Here's a bunch of Canadians just like postulating about what happens yeah. in America. It's a testament <laughs> to human ingenuity. <laughs> you know that they're able to even survive <laughs> apparently there's Somehow. a whole bunch of us illegals in uh in california did you know this um trimming weed C- canadian uh, illegals yeah but they blend in so no one no one questions them yeah. no one's worried about mexicans yeah. i lived illegally in belgium oh this will come back to haunt me and no one ever bothered me and i remember walking down the street and seeing people who were visibly not legal in belgium getting like stopped in the street because in belgium you can stop people in the street and, and look at like, their id yo. and say do you have a belgian id are you legal to be here? And if you don't, they take you to the police station. And, sh- and, ship and I off. remember walking past this happening in front of me with someone who was like visibly not from Belgium and the police were stopping them to check their papers. And I was like, <laughs> no. See guys, that's white, pri- <laughs> that's white privilege, okay? White privilege. I, not this other garbage that you hear about where like they're just attributing everything to whiteness now. That's white camouflage. That's actually, actual white privilege. White. And that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And I'm sure that you benefit from other color privilege in other situations, right? Yeah. But that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, well done. Well, but this is what's going on in California too, right? I mean, these are people who speak the same, look the same. Yeah. They're just hanging out. Uh, they just have to watch their uh, boots and their, <laughs> their hairs. <laughs> watch what kind of beer they drink. Yeah. yeah. Like that's right. Moosehead? What's, what yeah. the hell is that? Uh... Foreign beer. I'm just a. Oh no! What am I doing? I don't even know what uh, I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. But apparently, there's a whole. I love the idea of illegal Canadians because, even though Harper ruined that image, I still feel like Canadians abroad are just so well-meaning and <laughs> harmless. <laughs> like the worst they'll do is like uh, cultivate pots or build an earth ship or something like build a well volunteer at the homeless shelter volunteer at the homeless shelter Uh, you dirty bastards compost yeah they'll go to some other war-torn country and compost (laughs) i'd like to think that that's what we're still about i guess a boot boot. (laughs) (laughs) well done who says that no one newbies do don't they no one says it um rick mercer you still hear it sometimes his maritime newbies uh, he'll say, um, "Mer," like it kind of sounds like "mer." <laughs> like uh, a herd of cattle. A herd. A herd. It's an interesting. It's an interesting dialect. Mm. Anyway, so uh, yeah, what's what's next for you? What's your next project? Wow. Well, um, to stay put, mm-hmm. uh, I spent all summer being everywhere else. I moved into a new apartment and I moved back or came back and was like who am I and I live here and so just to settle build my life build my business Uh just like get solid here for a little while okay yeah and when you're not ghostwriting do you is there a place where people can read your stuff and see your 
you're kind of are you communicating anything from your own brand or your own personal oh god not really no um i have a blog but it's very dormant um my new website is being built right now as we speak um you've got a point there I've been trying to get on Medium. I have a lot of things to say, but I'm a little scared of what I have to say. Okay. Mm. So I haven't been writing. Because it's controversial? Um, yeah, it's a little bit edgy. It's a little bit um, intense. Well, that sounds actually perfect. I know. I know. But um, putting it out there is still... But I've been meaning to set up a Medium blog again for quite some time. But my personal blog is super dormant. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, the best thing is on Facebook is where I really express myself these days. Okay. So you actually, you act, you interact. Pretty active. Yeah. And what do you yeah. do there? Like, are you, are you having conversations with people? Are you posting articles that you think people should see? Yeah. Sharing, curating, um, just sharing my life, really. And nothing that exciting. Um, yeah. You- at the moment photography i do a lot of photography um okay check out my burning man photos on Flickr. um yeah i don't have a major outlet or um sort of like space right now where i talk about things but you can go on my blog and you can read what i used to write and post it's pretty good I'm sure it is. I'm certainly not suggesting that you have to have something. No. I'm just curious. It's just a shift. I mean, I think I used to be more of a curator. I was really into sharing cool shit. Um, I like abandoned spaces. I like found objects. Um, um, What's the word? Um, Ephemera. What's that? Um, Like temporary things from lost times. Um, Old things that sort of represent a specific time and space. I'm obsessed with amusement parks. I have a lot of really weird fringe obsessions. Um, You mean like like old old abandoned amusement parks? Yeah, but I just kind of felt like there were so many people doing that already that Mm -hmm. I, I didn't really feel like my voice was adding more to the conversation that's already going on so um it's coming i mean right now i'm autonomous i'm a single parent i work for myself i live alone so my autonomy is really important and it's giving me a lot of ideas about just what it means in this day and age to be you know a canadian woman um and i have a lot of I, i have a lot of things i want to say but i haven't said them yet well, we hope so. certainly that you're going to share some of these ideas because, I mean, this has been really fun. And, and, and whenever those those channels end up opening, let us know and we'll... we'll also, you can just too. come yeah. back and, and vent on the show. I don't yeah. know. Right? We'll see. We'll see. Or even start your own <laughs> show, which will be superior to ours. Yeah. Um, As a business we'll person, I'm very wary of what I put out there. Of course. Let's of just course. put it that way. Yeah, you have to yeah, do that yeah, even if you're not a business person, right? Yeah. So yeah. as a business person, yeah, sure. So as a business person, uh, where can people reach out to you if they want to engage with you in a businessy kind of way? Um, you can email me, honestly, Kirsten, K-I-R-S-T-E-N, at permanentpress.ca. Or you can find me on Facebook, Kirsten Weisenberger, that's a B-U-R-G-E-R. Just, just reach out. Okay. I'm friendly. And you do all kinds of content curating and creation mm-hmm. and so forth. Online, a lot of writing. Online-y things. Yeah, a lot of writing. Um, basically, I'm the bridge between the humans and the internet. So anything that sits between how a human would approach the internet and how it is perceived and works better for them and for the businesses. So I don't code. I don't design. 
but I work with content to make it better for both a business and a human. So there's a lot of optimization, usability, content, advertising. Well put. Well Concise. put. Very well put. Well, I'm going to steal some of that. You're going to let me online. plug myself. I didn't know you were going to let me do that. Of course. Of course. Thank you. Of course. I don't know. No, we, we've taken advantage of your, your brain for the last... Uh, <laughs> little while so it's always yes we want everybody that comes through here to explode uh not yeah. physically but uh <laughs> in a successful way and i've worked with you and i can i can say that you're very very good at what you do thank so you if i can give a personal testimonial if oh. you're in the market that's really Kirsten. sweet yeah hire me i'm okay. good you'll like me shit. <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you fire guys this was fun fire in the hole you gotta say fire in the hole Fire in the hole.